Well, hello and we're back! Oh, welcome to Waffle Free Storytelling. It's Tina Constant here, and you know that because all the jibber jabber is right at the end, we can jump right into this week's story, which is called The Greatest Insult of All. <laughs> now, this all happened a long, long time ago in a corner of the world that was ruled by a rich and powerful king. <laughs> now, he had more of everything than anyone, but it was never enough. He always wanted more. What he didn't have was a sense of humor <laughs> or any ability to tolerate even the slightest hint of disrespect. If one of his staff so much as blinked in a way that made him think they were mocking him or otherwise treating him without the courtesy he deserved, <laughs> he would have them thrown to the wolves in the dead of night without a word to their family and friends. So it was that many people disappeared from the castle, never to be seen again. One such person was Omira. She had been a baker in the castle, as had her mother and her grandmother before her. And on one cold winter's night, a fellow baker was telling a particularly ridiculous story. <laughs> and it just so happened that Omira burst out laughing at the precise moment that the king walked by. Convinced that she was laughing at him, she was dragged by the heels deep into the forest and dumped in the deep, dark snow. Now the wolves were always close at hand, knowing exactly where fresh meat could be found. What they didn't know was that Omira wasn't one to give up so easily. Before the wolves could pick up her scent, she moved fast and low, and with her flesh freezing to her bones, she made her way north. With every step she thought and she planned, because there was one thing she knew for certain, the king had to change. Now by the time she reached a village so far north that few people ever visited it, she had an idea. Wrapping herself in a cloak of leaves and bark, she stood Tall and straight and with an air of wonder and mystery, she said to the people who lived in that village, I am your oracle. <laughs> now, being a superstitious lot, <laughs> they accepted Omira at her word and they gave her warmth and food and shelter and invited her to stay based on the promise that within one year, the village would be so overrun with wealth that no one would ever go hungry again. And Omira kept that promise. She started small, things like marriages and births and predicting events that anyone who knew human nature could predict. But it wasn't what she predicted that people loved, it was how she did it. <laughs> Omira had a flair that seemed so full of magic and power and mystery that when people stepped into her cabin, it felt like they were entering another world, one where everything was possible and impossible all at once. 
and it didn't take long before people left her cabin believing that she was the most profound seer <laughs> they'd ever known. Well, as you can imagine, word quickly spread of the oracle in the north who could see the future and knew how to get to the world beyond worlds. People came from miles around, all spending their gold and silver in the small village. So much so that long before the first year was up, the people who lived in that village were indeed rich beyond their wildest dreams. As a result, it was natural that the king heard of her too. I must see this oracle for myself, he declared, <laughs> and surrounded by an army of gods, he rode north. If this so-called oracle could see the world beyond worlds, he had to have her in his control. But the king was no fool. To know that she was real, he had to disguise who he was. So, several miles from the village, he ordered his guards to stay hidden, and he dressed himself as a farmer. Plainly clothed, he hiked to the small cottage in the woods. Now, <laughs> he almost forgot who he was pretending to be and banged on the door and barged in. <laughs> but he pulled himself back just in time and knocked quietly and waited to be invited. Inside was Omira. But here's the thing. The moment the king had thrown her into the snow, he had forgotten all about her, so it didn't enter his head that this might be someone he knew. All he saw was a warm and bright fire and a small, quiet cottage. He smiled when he knew that his disguise was working, because the woman hardly glanced at him. She just kept on knitting and invited the king to warm himself by the fire. No sooner had the king sat when Omira said, You have many things, but you want more. You are hiding your true form. <laughs> well, the king stared at her. <laughs> Omira kept going. You want to be worshipped as the greatest who ever lived. Well, again, the king said nothing. And then Amira said, You want the key to everything so you can own and possess it. At this, the king's eyes went wide. So Amira continued, I have that key, she said, and it's yours for the taking on the condition that you can prove yourself worthy. <laughs> Forgetting for a moment who he was pretending to be, the king growled, Prove myself! Then he sat back in the chair and he said, Tell me how. Omira hid a smile and finally looked up at the king. And this is what she said. You must seek out and accept with grace one thousand insults. For every insult you receive, you must say thank you and give the one who insulted you a loaf of bread. The bigger the insult, the better the loaf. 
when you have handed out one thousand loaves. Come back to me, and I will give you the key to everything you desire. <laughs> the king was amused, but he refused to be bested by this woman, <laughs> so he agreed. He stood up to his full heights and he said, When I have that key, I will also have your head. <laughs> Amira smiled and added one more thing. When someone insults you, she said, they must know they are insulting the king. With a growl, the king left Omira and went back to his castle. He had the baker bake one thousand loaves of bread. Then he lined up his servants and demanded they all insult him. But none of them would. All of them knew what happened when the king felt slighted, so they all stayed quiet. When the servants refused, he turned to his soldiers. When they refused, he turned to his courtiers. After a full month of not getting a single insult, the king decided to leave his castle. Dressed in his royal regalia, he travelled to the very edge of the empire where he was sure people didn't care that he was their king. Ha <laughs> ha! Sure enough, he came to a small town, and within that town was a small tavern. And before the king was two feet into the door, a young boy stood up from the fire. He stared at the feathers and the capes and the finery, and the boy laughed out loud. <laughs> We have a peacock! <laughs> the king was just about to demand that this little runt was sent to the wolves. But instead, he grimaced. He said, thank you. And he handed the boy a loaf of bread. The boy was confused, and he stared at the king. Were you born an idiot? Or did the donkey who raised you give you special attention? <laughs> Again, the king clenched his teeth. All he wanted to do was put this boy's head in the fire. But instead, he said, thank you, and handed the boy another loaf. With this, the boy's sister stepped up from behind a chair. My Halloween pumpkin wants his teeth back. <laughs> the king took a breath, said thank you, and handed her a loaf of bread too. Soon the rest of the bar noticed what was happening, and they all chimed in. <laughs> Insults flew at the king. Some hard, some sharp, some close to the bone, some plain silly. For each one, the king said, thank you, and handed out a loaf of bread. <laughs> it didn't take long before the bar was full, and the insults flowed like the beer it served. And by midnight, <laughs> the king was exhausted, but the insults kept coming. When they were repeated or weak, the king said, Nah, not good enough. That's half an insult, which only gets you half a loaf. <laughs> With the challenge set, the insults got louder and stronger and better and sharper and deeper. And with each one, the king listened carefully to the words, judged them on their merit, and handed out the bread accordingly. <laughs> By the time the sun came up, the king had handed out all but one loaf of bread. He had also, by the way, <laughs> lost his hat and his cloak, his belt, his fine feathers, and really everything except the shirt on his back and his trousers and his boots. 
Come back anytime, the barkeep said, <laughs> standing in the snow. The king held the very last loaf of bread in his hands. One last loaf, he said. One more insult. It had better be a good one. And so he began his journey home. He didn't take a straight road there. Instead, he travelled through the valleys and over the mountains and through every part of his land. <laughs> People had heard how the king had handed out a year's worth of bread in a single night, and in every town they all came out and threw insults at him, hoping to earn that last loaf. <laughs> the king listened and laughed and said, Oh, not good enough! Try harder! And the people laughed with him, invited him to stay the night in their homes, and sent him on his way the next day with new insults ringing in his ears, none worthy of that last loaf. After a year, the king finally made it back to the oracle's house. The fire was still warm and bright, and Omira the oracle still sat in her favourite chair. I've been hearing of your travels and adventures, she said. <laughs> the king kicked off his boots and warmed his feet by the fire. After a short silence, Omira said, You are a great king. With that, the king shook his head and he let a tear fall down his cheek. Thank you he said, as if that were the greatest insult to ever pierce his heart. But I wish to be a great man, he said, and he handed Omira that very last loaf of bread. From that day on, things in the land changed. The king vowed to prove himself worthy of his people by ruling with a fair, honest and just hand, with great humility and a powerful sense of humour. When he died, every man, woman, and child gathered around his grave. They laughed and they cried, they shared stories, they bonded, and then they broke bread together and toasted the greatest man to ever live. Ah, hey. <laughs> I don't know. There you go. Drop around to www.tinaconstant.com. I would love to see you there. It would be great to have you by the fireside. And um, yeah, drop around. Hug the people you love. As always, hug the people you love. There's so much wild stuff going on in the world right now. <sighs> be kind. Be kind to each other. And tell a complete stranger that they're wonderful. <laughs> see how that goes down. All right, you awesome, epic human being. I'll see you next time. Uh, have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>